note of the times. Because Jesus says you got you to pay attention to the times because no man knows the day or the hour. So because you don't know the exact day or the exact hour, you have to be attentive to the things he said. Here's how it works. When you're driving down the street and you're heading to a destination, uh, the, the, if you're heading to Memphis or to, to, to Chicago or to, 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 to Louisville or St. Louis, as you're going, you begin to see signs. Those signs, on each one of those signs, it'll say, hey, 300 miles, and then it'll say 250, and then 220. But those signs are there that you might ready yourself because you will soon be approaching your destination. And here's the reality that Jesus says, pay attention to the signs that I've given you because you are rapidly approaching your destination. Now hold, hold on, don't, don't assume that that destination is heaven. He said, you're going to a destination. The question is, which destination? The key is that we know which destination. Because he says that many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name, cast out devils in your name, and done all these works in your name? And he says, and I will declare to them that I have never known you. Now this is important because notice this, to never know means we never have relationship. So because we talk a lot about in the church, we talk about, uh, we talk a lot about a person backsliding or a person falling away. But here's the reality. Jesus says that, that yeah, there are going to be those who backslid and went away. But he says, but many will come believing that they were still in right fellowship or still in relationship. And I'll declare that I have never had relationship with you. Now, I don't know about you, but as a, as a born-again believer, that keeps my heart urgent. Because here's the thing. I look at it and I say, if it's possible that someone could be prophesying in your name, if it's possible that someone could even be casting out demons in your name. If it's possible, someone can be doing many wondrous works in your name and don't know you, what about me? Because I'm not casting out devils. I'm not prophesying in your name. I speak on your behalf. But he says, there will be those that I will say I don't know you. And, it, and, it, and it's a concern because Deception in the world has run rampant. Revelation says that the whole Satan has deceived the whole world. Here's the reality. There are many people who are going about right now believing that they would go to see Jesus if they died. And here's the deception. He doesn't know them. But they believe that he does. And here's how that works. The great deception of Satan is to is make you believe that nothing is broken so that you never look to fix it. See, when you drove in this morning, you didn't stop by Midas, you didn't stop by Carex, you didn't go over here to, 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 to Meineke because there was no reason to stop to get a repair. However, if you knew something was wrong, you would stop long enough to fix it. So many will be deceived into believing they got good religion. Certainly, Lord. Have you got good religion? Certainly, Lord. 
Have you got good religion? Certainly, Lord. Certainly, certainly, certainly. But Jesus did not come to give you religion. He came to bring relationship, and that's the difference. Relationship versus religion, because when Jesus came, there was, there was plenty of religion. Matter of fact, there was too much of it because it was the religious leaders who killed him. But he said, my father wants to not just be my father, he wants to be your father, creating relationship. Father, son, in between there is what's called relationship. Well, Pastor, I got a relationship. And can't nobody tell me that I don't. Here's what the word of God says. It says that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree bear good fruit. I don't have to judge you because the word of God judges you. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the one who came to judge the world. Here's the reality. The truth is, if you look at the tree of your life and all of the fruit is rotten, you got to ask yourself, what's wrong with the tree? Because it's not enough. It's not enough to keep walking around with your disclaimer. I know Jesus, but you know he's still working on me. Because here's what the word of God says. He says, in the last days, men will have a form of godliness, but denying its power. I want you to understand this. A form of godliness is religion. I'm a good Christian. I try to do my best. I try to treat everybody right. Form of godliness. But watch this. He says, but denying the power. What is the power? The power of true godliness is transformation. The power, the true power of godliness is the Holy Spirit working in you both the will and to do of God's good pleasure, not yours. So the truth is, we have to be aware, alert, and attentive. Does it matter if you were baptized in a river or in the, the greatest cathedral that, that we have in the city? The truth of the matter is, baptism does not save you. I don't know why the Lord, I have a whole sermon, but the Lord has me going this way, and I ask for him to anoint me today, and I believe he, he's given this to me for you. Because many have gotten baptized and said, hey, I'm good to go. Can't wait for Jesus to come. But if you, understand, if you study your Bible, you'll know that Paul explains baptism in Romans chapter number 6. He says, baptism... He says, you were buried with Christ through baptism. So he's explaining that baptism is your watery grave, that you are saying, I have died to my old life and way of sin, and I have resurrected to my new life. 
in Christ. But here's the thing. That is an outward expression of what's been done inwardly in you. Because when Jesus came and he told Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, in, in John chapter 3, he said, Nicodemus, marvel not that I'm saying to you, you must be born again. He says, now watch this, you must be born of the water, that's baptism, and of the spirit. Because here's what he says. He said, the spirit is like this. The, 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 the spirit is like this. It's like the wind. You don't see the wind. You just see the effects of the wind. If you walked outside, he said, the wind is blowing. You don't really see wind. You just see the leaves and the trees swaying. You see leaves running across. You see paper running. You see the effects of the wind. He says, so it is with the spirit. So here's what it means. That if you've been born again, then the transformation that is happening inside of you will be evident to those around you. That's where the songs came, the places I used to go, I don't go no more. The things I used to do, I don't do no more. Because God is working a work in me that is now evident to you. And because we can't see what the Lord does inside of you, then he says, then be baptized that it might be shown that you might confess openly, hey, I am one of those that have given my heart to Jesus and he's coming to my life. He saved me. He's redeemed. He's born me again. And as I rise out of this water, my plan is to live a life for him. Turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Having done all of that, it's going to take me a few minutes to get to the rest of this. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 through 44. I'm going to go ahead and bring it up before you. Watch, therefore, I hear you turning, but don't, don't, don't mind me. Keep coming. Get to your destination. Don't give up. Matthew 4, chapter 24, verse 42. He says, watch, therefore... For you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour, here's the key word, that you don't expect. He said, the Son of Man is coming when you at least expect him. Now, how is that possible when we're supposed to be watching? How is it possible because in this same sermon, Jesus said, these things shall come to pass before I come. And yet it's possible for those to not expect. The operative term in this passage, chapter 44, where we want to focus, is the word ready. He says, therefore, you also be ready. So here's what I want to share with you today. He's coming again, and I want to ask you a question. Are you ready? Because you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can fool God none of the time. And here's the reality. 
it is imperative that each one of us know that we are ready to meet the Lord because enough prophecy is being fulfilled on a daily basis that speaks to us that Jesus' return is soon. Go back to, let's look at it. He says, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour that your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master knew, he says, he said, if, if the Lord just said, watch this, if the Lord said, look, I'm coming on November the 13th, 2017, guess what would happen? You would cut up sideways until the 12th. Oh, you, you let all your hair down. You let your hair down and your friend's hair down too. Come on, let's, let's, let's let it all down. You just be out. He says, because if the master knew the hour that the thief would come, he gets ready right before the thief gets there. So Jesus says, you should be always ready because you don't know when I'm coming. Verse 4, 44, therefore, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't know. You don't know. See, everyone sitting here, you have in your mind something you're expecting to see that you think will tell you that Jesus is getting ready to come. You've been convinced in your mind of something that you believe will be evidence to you that he's coming. But notice what Jesus said. He says, I'm coming when you don't expect it. That's why I be ready. Turn, if you will, real quick to Luke chapter 21. Luke 21. <clears throat> because we're charged with this word ready, be ready. Here's the problem, it's because we must recognize if we're charged to be ready, we gotta be careful that we are getting ready but not getting ready in the sense of getting ready to get ready. My wife said, hey, you guys, go up there and clean your room. They're still sitting on the couch. I said, we're getting ready to. She said, when I said it, that meant now. Not get ready to get ready. You should be ready right now. Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 21, let's look at verse 34, you there? Look what it says, it says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts get weighed down with the carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. That just as you're getting ready to pour it up, the sky opens up. Just as you get ready to hit it one more time, just as you get ready to do it just one, just where you, I'm gonna let him alone after this, I'm gonna just be with him one more night. I'm only gonna do her one, one more time. I'm gonna get him out of this house. I know he's supposed to be living here. I'm gonna get him out. Tomorrow. Because here's the thing. He says, take heed to yourself. Pay attention to you. Take note of you and what's happening in you. 
lest your heart get weighed down. So you say, okay, pastor, carousing. Carousing, that's partying. Carousing. He says, take heed to yourself lest you get weighed down with partying, drunkenness. Have you noticed everywhere you go, every event has to offer some drinks? And yet Jesus says, take heed that you don't get weighed down with the drinking. Well, Pastor, I don't drink to get drunk. I just drink. How do you know you are drunk? until you get there. You don't know. You don't know. I, I, I can hold my liquor. The question not holding it. God said don't get weighed down even with it. Because the Bible says strong drink is a mocker. What does it mean? Strong drink mocks you. you when you start to drink, you do stuff that you don't normally do. You say stuff you don't normally say. But watch this. Your greatest responsibility in this world is that you be a witness to others. There is no way you can convince me without lying. And the Bible says all lies will have their place in the lake. There's no way you can convince me that when you are drinking, that you can be a good witness for Jesus Christ. And yet you say, well, I'm born again, but all the rest of the people in the room aren't. Well, the greatest commandment is to love your Lord my God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And he says the second is just like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. You are supposed to love others enough to show them light and not show them darkness. See, there were those who criticized and people didn't really know why there was criticism about the, the reality shows for Christians. Because the problem is, the reality show shows this darkness that's still in people, and we're supposed to let our light shine. See, the stuff that's messed up in you, the only reason the world doesn't know it because the Bible says love covers a multitude of iniquity. God is covering you right now while he's still working it out. If you're going to put it on the internet, then, then you uncover that which God is trying to cover. He says, okay, you say, well, that ain't my thing. I ain't never been a drinker. You know, I, I, don't even, I don't even like the taste. Well, then watch this. This third one gets everybody in the room. He says, lest you get weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, or watch this, or the cares of this life. See, everybody got a care in this life. So you get bogged down with, oh, oh, woe is me, the Lord. Oh, Lord, when you going to turn things around? Ooh, ooh, my foot. I was just, uh, ooh, Pastor, could you pray for my ankle? I just, oh, just would you pray? Ooh, my ankle is just swollen. I ain't going to pray my prophesy. Stop eating all that salt. Stop eating all them chips. Stop eating all that extra, extra plate of pork. Stop doing all that and the swelling to go down. I prophesied it over you right now. In Jesus' name. Stop having four Pepsis a day. You, you just got to stop. Get your one and, and let it be enough. Get one and sip off of it. Get your little bit that morning and a little bit that afternoon. You got to have three every day. Ooh, I, if I don't have, ooh, something, that ought to tell you right then you don't need it. 
I started getting the shakes. Then that's a problem. You got something you're doing, and when you don't do it, you get the shakes? That ain't God. So lest we get caught up with the cares of this life, what's going on with me? What can I get done? Hey, God, when you going to do this for me? When you going to start doing this? When is it, it going to turn around? When is my day going to come? When is my time going to come? The cares of this life. Oh, oh, I can't make it out to service because uh, I just, you know, I'm just so busy. I don't have time for Bible study because I'm so busy. I don't have time to volunteer at the church because I'm too busy. Cares of this he says, and then that day comes on you unexpectedly. You're so busy being busy that you don't even realize that Jesus is on his way. Here is a definition of ready. It is a suitable state, for a suitable state of being prepared for an activity, an action, or an event or situation. It means to be fully ready, fully prepared. Jesus says, be ready, because you don't know when the Son of Man is returning. Turn to Romans. I'm done. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, the cares of this life. Get weighed down, so concerned about just living. But watch, because watch this. In many cases, we haven't even thought about praying for somebody that we know that's unsaved. You've got cousins and friends who are around you, and you know they're not born again, but you hang out with them. And you've never asked them, are you born again? No, you can't ask them that because you are drinking with them. You can't ask them because you're dropping it with them. You can't ask them, are they born again, because you know they will call you a hypocrite. So you don't bring it up. But here's the problem. If that is your testimony today, you ought to be concerned. Because if God is in your heart, he changes you. He changes what you want to do. You might say, well, okay, pastor, there you go judging again. Here's the reality. The word judgment has been taken out of our vocabulary because Satan knows we are approaching the day of judgment. A young man felt so strongly about nobody can judge me but God. So he was so strong about it, he tattooed it on his chest. The problem is, it's worse that God judge him. Because here's the thing. We only know what he got caught doing. God knows everything he's done. He'd be better and be, be in better shape having you or I judge him because we can only judge him based upon what we know. But the Bible says God knows it all. Here's the thing. He knows the thoughts and the intents. So watch this. I only know what you actually put into action. God knows what you plan to do but didn't do. So he actually had it wrong when he said, only God is my judge because, yes, God is his judge because the Bible says that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of everything 
done in this life. Even the smallest little lie. See, we have people who don't even concern themselves with lying. They'll lie to you in a heartbeat. I said, uh, uh, they, they, they tell you they're going to pick you up, and they don't come, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 uh. watch this, because they don't believe the word. The Bible says all liars will have a place, a special spot in hell for liars. You know why that is? Because the Bible says God is truth. So lie is absolutely in contrast to truth, and liars are in contrast to God. Y'all waited three weeks for this. Watch this because the God, would ha God would have us to know this. Romans chapter 13, you there? He said, and do this. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me help you understand what he's saying. When he says do this, Paul is reaching back to verses 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. Because in there he talks about loving your neighbor. He talks about keeping the commandments of the Lord. But then he says... Love your neighbors enough like you love yourself. Because what he's saying is that you ought to love someone, you ought to love people enough to show them light because they're in darkness. Because if you were in darkness, wouldn't you want someone to show you light? He says, so love, he says, so do this. Do this, love your neighbor as yourself. Show them the same love that you want someone to show you. Show, because watch this. Then it move, that, that moves us into witnessing. See, everything that God has been teaching me to teach you, giving me to teach you on the end times, is for one primary reason. What, two? One, that you know that without doubt that you've been born again. And two, that you might tell somebody else. See, that you might have a witness that's strong enough that you can tell somebody about Jesus and they would hear you because they see Jesus in you. But we're concerned about how we look and how, we, how people see us. And that is true. You should be worried about how people see you, but not for the sake of how good you look, but for the sake of Christ. Because they might be someone that God wants you to witness to. That goes even to, to, to loved ones. See, see, we, we put on our church face and we cuss our children out in the car. And then we wonder why they don't want to, when they get 18, they don't want to have nothing to do with church. Oh, see, we're, we're good and peaceful and meek and quiet. Yes, sisters, yes. And at home, walking around, they said, well, man, if you're going and it ain't helping you, there ain't no reason for me to go. That's why your husband won't come. That's why he doesn't come, because the Bible says that a husband can be won by the chest conversation of his wife. If you would humble down and, be, and get quiet and meek and be prayerful as you're at home, you could get him saved. That's why your wife won't come. Yeah, you could come here and be a good man in the sight of the other believers. But at home, you're no good to her. I tell you this all the time. You can, you can judge what kind of husband I am by the zeal that this woman has for this church. 
Because if I wasn't treating her right, if I was treating y'all right and misusing her, she wouldn't, couldn't stand to drive up on this parking lot. But sometimes I got to get her out of there. Honey, come home. Okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be able to tell sister such such call you. It's time to go. I'm not on the soapbox. I'm teaching you the truth. Because I, I, I've, never, I've, never, I've never perpetuated or suggested that I'm perfect. But one thing I'll tell you this. I love Jesus with all my heart. And you can't say that if you're not striving because Jesus says, if you love me, you say, well, I know I love him. He said, but if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But look at this. He says, know this, knowing now. So he says, love your neighbors enough. Love your neighbors as yourself. And he's really leaning towards us, understanding that our, our responsibility to be good witnesses. Now watch this. He says, and do this, love neighbors as yourself, knowing that the time that now is high time to wake up out of your sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Let me stop there, I gotta help you with this one. Because watch this, you might say, well, they keep talking about Jesus coming, right? So then if he is coming, and you say, well, it's been 2,000 years, when are he coming back? The truth of the matter is, because it's been 2,000 years, you've got to know that it's closer now than when we first believed. I, I'm visual. You've got to see it. So I'm coming to Brother Jackie. Whether I'm going fast or slow. But I'm coming. And with, with every second, I'm getting closer to him. With every moment, I'm getting closer to him. So if Jesus is coming back with every moment, he's getting closer. So the day is nearer now than before. But look at this. He says, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. He said, it, it, he said, the time is far spent. It's, it's time out for you to, when you go on and, and you got one toe in and one toe out. He said, listen, it's time out for you just playing around and keep making empty promises to God and keep suggesting that you're going to get better one day. He said, the time is now. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. He says, it's time to cast that other stuff off. But look at this. Let us walk properly, as in the day. He says, stop, 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 stop having all these secrets and things you're, you're slipping and doing, these, these, these quiet things that, that you keep away from the church people because you can't hide it from God. He says, not in revelry. Revelry is partying. There it is again. Revelry is partying. You look it up, it'll it, it say carousing. Carousing says partying. And drunkenness, watch this, lewdness, just don't care. Don't care about modesty. Don't care about what's proper. Some stuff you got on right now, you shouldn't have on, have on in church. You know it ain't church stuff. But I don't care. I got a relationship. The problem is, why right, you can't go to, go to hell because of a pair of skin-tight pants. But watch this. A heart that wants to put them on can go to hell. 
because Jesus is the one who says, if a man looks at a woman and lusts after her, he's already committed adultery in her. He said, therefore, don't put on something that calls him to sin. Lewdness, that's lewdness. And lust, brothers, sisters, all, all up late, pornography, magazines, videos under, underneath, the, underneath the sofa, stored up on your phone, up in the cloud. See, you know I know about the cloud, did you? See? See, here's the thing. We are going to have to give an account of a greater price because watch this. Before, men, women, men who had pornography had had under bed. You could have a whole separate account up in the cloud that your wife don't even know exists. And lust, not in strife, just got to have be fussing and arguing with everybody all the time. Not in envy. Never happy. When, right, even as we talked, we shouted and celebrated Pastor Ty on the list to get his kidney. Oh, I can't wait for the Lord to touch my body. Envying. <laughs> but watch this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And watch this. Make no provision for your flesh. See, you have to be watchful. Let me testify. Someone asked me recently, Pastor, you, you're behind the times. Why aren't you on Facebook? For this very reason right here. Let me tell you this. I was single for 36 years. I met a lot of young ladies. A lot of them. And when I say met, I, that's all it was. I didn't meet them. I just knew them. Because <laughs> I was a single man. I was, I was you know, I was, I, was, I was available. So I don't want to make provision for the flesh because the last thing I want is uh, one of our brothers here had, had a text, had, had a, a, a face, face uh, what is it, face, when somebody send you a message, won't you respond back? A face, I know it ain't FaceTime, I know that much. <laughs> it was just a message to, to respond back to, what is that called? Just message them. All the way back from his teenage years, 17, the lady comes and say, uh, you know, uh, we got a son together. So he says, okay. He talked to his wife about it. They go and, and, and they go and they say, okay, well, look, let's just get a test. Let's prove and make sure, because if it is, we want to make sure we go ahead and, and take, do, do what we need to do. This is 19 years later now. Watch this. This goes on for months. She just want to, so how your day going? They fine. When you gonna get the test results sent over to us? <laughs> so, so what you been doing? What do you do for a living? This went on for months. Finally, we talked about it. I said, just cut it off. Stuff. That that that's not, that that child ain't yours. She just trying to create an old fling. Watch this. My uncle, who's seventy two years old, got a post. Somebody way 30 years ago. How you doing? He had he been married long enough. He said, he said, honey, come look at this. My aunt got on and said, he's doing fine. This is his wife. 
She's like, oh, it's good to know? <laughs> so I don't want to make provision for, I'm not telling you how to be on Facebook. I'm telling you what you understand. The Bible's caused us to not give provision for your flesh, anything that will, will strike up in you. He says, don't give any provision for your flesh. But look, 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 what, look what I've done. I've got another translation that's a modern translation because you might someone say, well, that, that, how does it, what does that mean? I got the New Living Translation for you. Watch this. Well, let me get back. Let me get 14 in. Here we go. He says, this is all the more urgent. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will come soon. Will soon be here. So remember, remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And put on a shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or in immoral living or in quarreling, fussing and arguing or in jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and do not let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. He says, when the thoughts come in to give you something to go after, he said, don't even let yourself sit there and ponder it. Matthew 24, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes, and I'm done. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then we will, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats i want i don't have this to pull up so hopefully you've turned there if you haven't turned there turn there because i want you to see this because right before Right after this, he goes, right before the text that we read earlier, uh, 42 and 44, 42 to 44, in 40 and 41, here's what Jesus describes. He says, in 40, he says, then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that, that the master, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. 
I commission you today. He is coming. Are you ready? Stand to your feet. In Romans 13, Paul speaks about being asleep. If you notice this, that when a person is asleep, everything that's going on around them, they don't, they don't know it's happening. Paul speaks about being asleep. And he says, because the day of salvation is nearer than when we first believed, he says, it's now time, it's high time to wake up. It's time to wake up and, and stop sleeping. Stop sleeping and not noticing what's going on around you. Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes in diverse places. He says the love